0: Before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know about a really valuable free resource that we have. We've had so much great feedback on our Kids Gut Health ebook, and if you haven't had a chance to download it already or if you're new to Natural Super Kids, I encourage you to head on over to naturalsuperkids.com/gut made it really easy for you. I'll pop the link in the show notes as well so that you can download your free copy. And in this ebook, we cover the foundations, why your kid's gut health is so important, how your kid's gut health can influence things like their immune system, their allergies, their eating preferences, their mood, their behavior. It has such a big impact on a child's overall well-being. And I talk you through some practical strategies and use an analogy that your kid's gut health is like a garden. And if we can just tend to it in simple ways every day, we can take really good care of it and it can have a positive influence on our kid's overall well-being. So head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash gut to grab your free copy. I know you'll find it really valuable. is here in the southern hemisphere anyway so if you're in Australia or New Zealand we are well into spring um, or any of the other countries that live on this side of the world and spring is just such a such a lovely time that feeling of newness that feeling of warmth in the air the flowers blooming you know the birds and the bees all of that lovely lovely stuff but for a lot of people spring is not a time of, of celebration um, it's a time of, of when the allergies really start—the hay fever, the sneezing, the itchy eyes, and all of the irritation that goes with that. And you know, there's there's different degrees of hay fever um, and these sorts of seasonal allergies. And for some families, it can really affect the family or the child's quality of life. Um, so I wanted to to cover this in a podcast episode because you know, the, the go-to, I guess, are, the, are the, um, the pharmaceutical antihistamines, which can really provide some relief. But again, um, you know, it's not getting to the cause of, of why um, these environmental allergies are triggering this immune response. So, that's what today's episode is all about we are going to cover you know the basics of of these seasonal environmental allergies we're going to talk about how to reduce your child's exposure to some of the common environmental allergens, the pollens, the grasses, the dust mites, and the pet dander as well. Um, And I'm going to talk through some some naturopathic principles that we want to think about um, and remedies that can really help to relieve um, these allergy symptoms, but also address that underlying immune imbalance that is causing the immune system to react to these things within the environment so an allergy just to you know really kind of put it basically is an abnormal overreaction of the body's immune system to a substance which under normal conditions is harmless And over the last three decades, we've seen a huge increase in allergies, hay fever and asthma, which of course can be triggered by things like pollens and grasses as well. And in Australia, allergies affect one in four people, 20% of people suffer with some degree of hay fever, and up to 25% of kids now have asthma. So these, these figures are rising And what we do know is that well, well, the the hygiene hypothesis states um, that a lack of childhood exposure to microbes increases susceptibility to allergies. Now I'm not going to go into detail about this because we have a, a whole podcast episode dedicated to the hygiene hypothesis. So if you haven't listened to that, that is episode six of the Natural Super Kids podcast, way back when we first started. So it's a really interesting kind of idea. Um and You know, there's a lot of controversy about it, but it is it is a hypothesis, and it is thought to be playing a really big a really big part of the increase in things like allergies and hay fever um, and asthma. And we also know that kids that have older siblings that have pets or that grow up on farms have a decreased likelihood of allergies. And that really links into the hygiene hypothesis because kids that do have pets or grow up on farms or have older siblings have generally been exposed to more microbes in their very early life. And so, you know that is thought to really protect us against allergies uh, and again we go into that more in episode 6 of the natural super kids podcast so let's have a have a look at some of those really common environmental allergens that are causing the these hay fever type symptoms so the first one i want to look at is the pollens and grasses which of course are a very common cause of seasonal allergies, um, such as hay fever. And when people are allergic or sensitive to pollens and grasses, they get things like Sneezing, congestion, itchy, watery eyes, runny noses, um, pollens and grasses can definitely exacerbate or set off asthma symptoms. Sinus headaches can be a problem, and even eczema can flare up at these times. You know, environmental allergies can be a big contributor to eczema that are often overlooked. And these symptoms, if pollens and grasses are an issue, are most common in spring and early summer when these these pollens um, are at their highest. And symptoms will generally improve with, with rain because that reduces the amount of pollens in the environment. Now, as you can imagine, it's really hard to reduce exposure to these things because we don't have you know, complete control over the air we our kids are going to breathe in. So, you know, they we, we obviously have control over our home environment and what we plant in our gardens, but we don't have control over what they might plant at school or at childcare or at kindy or what the neighbour next door might plant. And so, it can make allergies to pollens and grass is really tricky, but I do have some practical tips on ways to reduce the exposure because it, really, it do, really can make a big difference. Um, closing windows and doors, um, especially on hot, dry, windy days when those pollen counts tend to be at their highest. Um, it can be a good idea for kids to shower when they come into the home um, after they've been out at school or after they've been doing outdoor activities. um, And also to damp brush pets before they come into the home. And dry clothes inside if your kids are having real issues with pollens and grasses. Because if we are Popping our clothes out onto the line to dry, they can be exposed to different pollens, and then our kids can our kids' symptoms can be exacerbated when they're wearing clothes. Now, I'm generally a big fan of you know line drying clothes, uh, but for kids with pollen and grass allergies or sensitivities, you know that change can make a big difference to their symptoms. Um. Planting a low allergy garden can also help. Uh, and just, you know, th- there's a lot in this, but Australian indigenous plants um, tend to be low allergy. So, so. Planting those those native plants in our gardens, rather than the the European trees, uh, which are so sort of common in Australia, uh, can make a big difference as well. Um, and popping the air conditioner on can help with these kinds of symptoms, whether you're in the car or at home. But just a note that if the air conditioner hasn't been maintained properly and has a buildup of, of contaminants, then the air conditioner could make symptoms worse. So if that is happening, then your air conditioner probably needs a bit of a, a, bit of a clean out and some, some maintenance work. So that's the pollens and grasses. Um, I do want to move on to dust and dust mites now, um, which are really like something that a lot of people don't think about. Um, And these kinds of allergies can go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, but house dust mites are the most common cause of asthma and allergies worldwide. And they are a big contributor to hay fever and eczema as well. Now, it's really handy to do- to know that dust mite exposure, you know, can occur all year, of course, but dust mites actually peak in late spring and early autumn. So, you know, those kids that get the hay fever-y type symptoms in spring, you know, we might sort of assume that they have issues with pollens and grasses. But if they're also getting those symptoms in early autumn, then it could be more of a dust mite problem and look some some kids and this is pretty common will have allergies to pollens grasses and dust mites so it can make it a bit murky to sort of figure out what exactly is triggering but dust mites you know reducing exposure is really important and what we need to know is that dust mites are present on soft furnishings, on bedding, on mattresses, on curtains, in carpets, in rugs, um, soft toys. So, we do need to minimise these things, particularly in kids' bedrooms where they are commonly, you know, really prevalent. Um, Symptoms of dust mite allergy are very similar to the 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 pollens and the grasses that we were talking about, the itchy, watery eyes, the sneezing, the itchy, um, runny nose. But often, um, dust mite allergy will also include like a blocked nose rather than a runny nose. Um, A dry cough is really common with dust mite allergies, wheezing, uh, and eczema, as I mentioned, is, is common with dust mite allergies as well the the key kind of difference um, is that dust mite allergy symptoms are worse at night and upon waking um, and generally imp- improve when kids are away from their bedrooms or the source of the dust mites. So, um, you know, those kids that wake up, really with, with those allergy symptoms, look, you know, that can be pollens and grasses as well. Uh, so, it, it is is—it is a bit confusing, but they are some signs to sort of look out for. Now, as we know, as mums, keeping the dust load down is not all that easy, but there are definitely things that we can, can do. Um, we want to make sure that we minimize those soft furnishings in kids rooms and of course you know kids are going to have soft toys and they need bedding. <laughs> um, so we want to make sure that we're washing soft toys and bedding in hot water um, because that's what kills the dust mites and expose them to full sun on a regular, Basis, um, and we want to minimize, you know, that those sorts of things in their room as well. We, you know, if we can get rid of the carpet, that's a really good good option in a kid's room. Um, use space bags to store clothes and linen that won't be used for a season. Don't just shove it under their bed in plastic bags, um, because that's just going to, you know, that that dust mite load is just going to build up and up and up and not be pleasant for the child. There's lots of different dust mite resistant that you can get for beds, um, which are really great for kids with dust mite allergies, Um, and vacuuming the mattress and the pillows can really help as well. Uh, so, those extra little like, bits and pieces that you can do in cleaning um, can make a really, a really big difference. And a vacuum cleaner fitted with a HEPA, H-E-P-A filter and a motorized head um, makes the world of difference uh, to kids with, with dust mite allergies. And then there are the pets. Now, this can be really really tricky when you've already got a family pet um, and you find out that your child has allergies to the pet, you know, what do you do? you know, that's a decision that you need to make as a family. Um, But pets that commonly trigger allergies, of course, are cats and dogs and horses, but also birds and rabbits and hamsters and guinea pigs and rats and mice can trigger allergies in kids as well. And it's not actually the fur that's the problem, it's the dander or the skin flakes and also the saliva and the urine that can trigger that immune reaction. Um even after removing a pet from a home it can take months to remove um, you know all of the allergens. So do keep that in mind as well. A child's symptoms might continue even though you've removed the pet from the home. Um and you know the the symptoms for for pet dander allergies are, are very like very um, similar to the hay fever symptoms. And also pet dander can um, exacerbate asthma, eczema, and also lead to lead to skin problems such as, Hives. So the good news is there are low allergy pet options, things like turtles. We actually have a turtle, not for allergy um reasons, but turtles are great, they're such a low maintenance pet. um hermit crabs, fish, reptiles, so there is a limit. you know none of the furry animals are in there, and there really aren't because it's the skin and not the fur, there aren't um options for dogs and cats that are, that are low allergen. One thing you can do is just keep pets outside if possible. Obviously, you you know, if you do have a pet inside, you want to make sure that they're away from carpeted rooms and away from the child's bedroom, particularly. Um, ensure your pet sleeps on its own mat and not in anyone's bed. Uh, brushing your pet regularly outside to remove that excess hair and dander. Um, and getting and having that vacuum cleaner fitted with a with a HEPA filter um is really important as well. Look, I've had many clients over the years that know that they're allergic to pets or know their kids are allergic to pets, but just you know, live with it because the pet is part of the family. So, as I said, that really is a decision that the family needs to make. Um, But I think being aware of these kinds of environmental allergies, if your kids do have the hay fever symptoms, the eczema, the skin rashes uh, can be really helpful. Now, let's have a little talk about you know, what you can do. So, we've talked about reducing exposure, which is the first step, but it's not always easy uh, with environmental triggers and allergies. So, we also want to work on really strengthening our kids' system and regulating their immune system and um, so that they are less reactive um, to these things over time. Now, these are not quick fixes. There certainly are, you know, natural antihistamines that you can use Um in, in place or uh, as a bit of an alternative or complementary to the pharmaceutical antihistamine. So things like vitamin C are fantastic. Vitamin C is a natural antihistamine. Um, and if you can get it with the bioflavonoids, um, if you can get vitamin C with quercetin, which is another natural antihistamine, they can work really well. You just need fairly... Um, Regular doses of vitamin C and quercetin and antihistamine, and you always want to be, um, you know, working with a practitioner to find out what dose and what particular supplement is going to be best for your child. Uh, but vitamin C, quercetin, and bioflavonoids can work really well. Um, herbs can work really well as well. There's a whole heap of herbs that have antihistamine actions, so they reduce the histamine release, which really helps to relieve symptoms. My favourite herb is one called albizia, A-L-B-I-Z-Z-I-A. Um, that can work really well for uh, hay fever type symptoms um, and these kinds of environmental allergies, and it can work really quite quite quickly. Again, you want to be talking to a, a naturopath or other practitioner to sort of find out what particular form and dose of our busy is going to be best for your child. Uh, and just generally supporting the immune regulation so I've talked before about how the immune system is kind of like a seesaw you know we've got the part of the arm of the immune system that's responsible for protecting us against viruses and other infections and then we've got the part of the immune system that that regulates um, and tells our body what to respond to and what not to respond to and when our kids have these hay fever, Um, seasonal type allergies their immune system is sort of a little bit all over the place. It's a little bit confused. It is responding to things and reacting to things that are harmless. Uh, So, it's like we're we're training the immune system to be a a little bit more selective about what it it responds to. And we can do that with um, things like vitamin D. Vitamin D is a fantastic nutrient for immune regulation. And we know from the research that vitamin D improves allergy tolerance and it also improves microbiome diversity. So um, that's a good thing for allergies as well. It makes our microbiome or our, our gut bacteria nice and healthy and diverse. So vitamin D is a great Uh, nutritional supplement to be thinking about for kids with seasonal allergies. And the other thing um, that is a must with any sort of of allergy is a probiotic. So as I was just saying that that diversity within the microbiome is really important for allergy tolerance and protection against allergies. So getting things like fermented foods into our kids with allergies can, can can be a really good idea, except if they, you know, they do have the, the, um, you know, extreme histamine reactions, because just a little side note, if your child does tend to get worse with fermented foods, or you notice that's flaring up symptoms, that's a key sign that they, um, you know, that, that their histamine levels um, are, are really high. And so you don't want to be giving fermented foods to those kids. But um, a lot of the time, the fermented foods can be really helpful for kids with allergies. And looking at specific probiotic that improve allergy tolerance, uh, something like the lactobacillus rhamnosus, LGG, Strain of probiotic has got a lot of research showing that it really does help to improve the allergy tolerance. So um, looking at specific probiotics for allergies can be really helpful as well. And what I've found in naturopathic practice is that lots of kids with these environmental seasonal allergies do have gut or digestive symptoms as well. It might be constipation, it might be sensitivity to certain foods. So, you know, exploring that with a naturopath or a practitioner can be really helpful. And um, I just want to remind you of a free resource we have: our kids' gut health ebook, which I will link to in the show notes that you can get hold of to really, you know, get that foundational knowledge and practical tips on ways that you can look after your kids' gut health and their microbiome. Um, and over time, that really does help to protect against allergies and strengthen a child's allergy tolerance. Now I feel like I've talked a million miles an hour today, um, and that really is a you know a good introduction to environmental allergies. If you are a Natural Super Kids Club member, we have a more comprehensive masterclass on environmental allergies in the membership portal, so do check that out if you are wanting to explore this further and you're a club member. If you're not a Natural Super Kids Club member and would love access to at masterclasses on all kinds of different kids' health topics, as well as healthy family-friendly recipes and naturopathic support and so much more, then you can head on over to the show notes and I'll pop a link to get on the wait list. We are opening the club um, late in October um, and we'll be welcoming new members there. So If you're on the wait list, you'll be the first to know and you will get Um, some extra bonuses as well. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I would love for you to rate and review us on your podcast app, whether that is um, on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, Yeah, really appreciate any reviews and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week.